just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. This is Podfluence, the show that helps you grow your influence and income with podcasts. My name is John Ball and my mission is to help you, the self-employed business coach, to grow your influence and income now so you can have a continuously thriving coaching business. We've probably all had the experience of being unfairly judged by one superficial aspect of ourselves that felt unfair. You may also have felt at times that other people don't get your definition of success. It's very easy to get focused on the wrong metrics, and it happens all the time in podcasting. Most people think podcast downloads are the be-all and end-all metric, but that is blinding us to the reality. Also, now that most podcasts are recorded with video, how should we be showing up for recordings? In this episode, we're taking a fairly shallow dive into vanity metrics and vanity in general as one of our seven deadly sins of podcasting series. I'm going to be answering whether downloads are the best measure of podcast success and if it's okay to show up to podcast recordings, even virtual ones, in your PJs. If you have your device handy right now and you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, do me a quick favor and make sure you hit the plus sign at the top of the screen to make sure you get all new episodes of Podfluence as they drop. So pop in your earpods and let's get started. Welcome to Podfluence the podcast for business coaches who want to build audience and authority through podcasts. Here's your host, international coach and speaker, John Ball. Welcome to Podfluence. It's perfectly normal to want to look for guidance as to how well something is doing or whether you're doing the right things. And often we will look to compare ourselves to where other people are and where we think we would like to be. And so often we want to know, like, how many people are following you online? How many people are listening to your podcast? How many people are buying your programs or books? How many people have the faintest idea who you are, right? <laughs> Don't blame you. Most of us naturally want to know those things. Maybe you would like to know those about me as well. I'm not sharing all of that here. However, it's normal and natural, maybe even sometimes validating. If you're looking for podcasts to guest on, or maybe even sponsor you don't really want to be wasting your time on shows that only get around 5 to 20 downloads per episode, do you? Or do you? We're coming back in this episode to the series on the seven deadly sins of podcasting with number four in the series, which is vanity. And I felt it is perhaps most useful here to take a look at vanity metrics and how much they matter, whether they should matter, and also we'll steer things a little bit into the personal presentation side of vanity, both good and bad of that. To recap the seven sins so far, 
Number one is gluttony or self-indulgence. Number two, selfishness. Number three, ignorance. Number four, vanity with five, six, and seven on the way. All the way back in episode 107 of Podfluence, I chatted with, uh, let's say she didn't really like being called an influencer, Whitney Lauritsen. We chatted with her about the power of influencer marketing through podcasts. And one of the things that came up there was that even though Whitney herself has a large following by many people's standards, some big potential sponsors would still take a look at her metrics and walk away. She rightly points out that they're missing something very fundamental, which is that she has a smaller audience than some other influencers in her space, but her audience is highly engaged and the majority of much larger audiences are not. I get to regularly speak with podcasters who have pretty small followings. Heck, I'm one of them myself, and I can only agree with Whitney that I would much rather have an engaged small audience than a disengaged large audience. This same thing came up in a conversation with Bob Gentle, episode 150, that he views his show as a success because it positions him well in his market and has given him the ability to connect with some amazing people. He actually doesn't care that much about the size of his audience, just about making a good show that's valuable for the audience that he serves. Podcasters sometimes get too focused on vanity metrics when the real treasure is in the quality of the content and the engagement of the audience, especially for shows that are not purely entertainment-based. The reality is, if you are a podcaster who has 20 or less downloads per episode, your audience is mostly people who already know you rather than people who found you. That doesn't necessarily mean that a small audience is still not valuable to you unless it really is just a few close relatives tuning in. I sometimes think the desire to get into the top charts of podcasting is something that may actually prevent many podcasters from ever achieving their goals. What I mean by that is that most new podcasters who start shows primarily for brand marketing are trying to go from zero to Joe Rogan overnight. And they'll only see their show as a success when they're nipping at the heels of top podcasters. But for most of us, that's not attainable. If we take a look at someone like Jordan Harbinger, who's the host of the Jordan Harbinger show, he didn't start off with a show named after himself. Jordan earned his podcasting stripes with shows like The Art of Charm, which still runs, but now without Jordan. He achieved a level of notability that allowed him to put his name in the title, even if you haven't heard of him, although I do highly recommend checking out his show. Trying to go directly for a top podcast spot when you have no experience and no industry or celebrity status is close to impossible. And it possibly reflects the level of unearned self-importance that social media has cultivated in many people, thinking that their thoughts and their comments on anything are of any importance or relevance to anyone outside of their social circle. I think for people who are willing to go through the lengthy process of learning how to be a good show host and give an audience in a particular field what they really want, are far more likely to succeed, but few people want to take that slower road, which is why so many people start shows and don't get past several episodes. Because their illusion of going viral, of instant podcast fame and audience, just doesn't happen. 
the rude awakening many people get in life outside of the social media bubble is that nobody is eagerly awaiting your opinion and for the most part no one cares about your hot takes you're just pissing in the wind or shouting into the void I've given talks around the world on why business coaches and speakers should appear on podcasts and should probably start their own podcast too. And there is one question I can always rely on being asked, which is about monetization. How do you monetize a podcast? Well, how do you monetize any business? Make a good product that people will want to buy. Solve a problem. If you apply that same philosophy to podcasting, you're pretty much on the right track. Being on podcast, much the same as public speaking, requires you to hone your craft so that people will want to listen to you and would even pay to hear you speak. I'm certain some people will disagree with me here, but the showing up and improvising strategy is for amateurs. When you step onto any platform, real or virtual, to speak, you cross what some people have named the expert threshold. Perhaps that's because so few people are willing to put themselves in the position of being the person on the stage speaking. Perhaps it's a little like the way we give more gravitas to things we read than to things we hear. We work on many assumptions, and one of those assumptions is that people who get up on a stage to speak know what they're talking about and have a certain level of credibility to be allowed up on that stage in the first place. New public speakers are quite often very earnest, very sincere, especially when their subject is a technical or scientific one. But professional paid speakers will generally be able to tell you that the key to success as a speaker is to make sure that you entertain as well as educate. Jeremy Nicholas, my guest in episode 59, said it very well that you need to be able to make people laugh if you want to get well paid as a speaker. How much of that do you ever hear from any podcast guests? The great bard William Shakespeare knew well enough that even tragedies require some comic relief. Even if our subjects are dry or super serious, people can't and often don't want to deal with that level of intensity for too long. And I do think this may be part of the reason why so many comedy and satirical news shows have done so well over recent years, because we're more willing to be educated about serious topics when they're packaged as entertainment rather than serious documentary style. My guest Lee Carter on a recent episode of Popfluence speaks to this a little in terms of how intensity tends to push people away and gets them to put their defences up, whereas some lightness and some humour, especially self-deprecating humour, are more likely to draw people closer and open up channels of communication. Now, you don't need to be a laugh riot or stand-up comic all the time, but, but you're going to be remembered more and probably liked more if you're able to raise a few smiles and laughs in your media appearances. If your goal is to be something of a media personality in your area, this is going to be essential. It may take some time to develop the skills and the confidence to do this well, but that is hopefully what you're here for, to get into that process knowing that there is no instant fix or magical solution. Now, I said we'd talk about visual image as well, and so what about that? Well, even though most podcasts are audio only, many do record now with video and will use clips to promote the show. This does mean that you shouldn't show up to a recording in your dressing gown or pyjamas. 
your professional image to be maintained as much as possible, even if the only person who's going to see you live is your guest or host. That doesn't mean you need to be in full business attire the whole time, unless that is your professional image. And even then, you could probably safely move to a more casual version of it. When it comes to how we publicly present ourselves, we do at least need to show that we make an effort to look our best. And for me, that usually means brushing my hair and beard, wearing my work clothes, which for me is smart casual, blotting the excess oil from my shiny forehead, and making sure that I am regularly well-groomed. Now, your routine is likely to look a little bit different. But I present myself in my media profiles as someone who is not overly serious and likely to be a fun guest or a fun interviewer. Now, my good pal Annie Ruggles does this incredibly well, to the point where people generally know that they're going to have a great experience being a guest on her show or having her as a guest on theirs. Your ability to entertain is going to be directly relatable to your desirability as a guest if you're a known thought leader. Also, being a well-known expert does somewhat lessen the need to be entertaining as well, but it's still a good idea. One of my all-time favourite examples of someone hitting the perfect blend between education and entertainment is a TED Talk from the late and great Sir Ken Robinson called Do Schools Kill Creativity? And if you've heard it, fantastic. You will know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, do go and check the link in the show notes and take a watch, take a listen. It's highly worthwhile watching. And his talk is memorable because the humour and his serious points are far more palatable when served in that entertaining format. In fact, we barely notice the seriousness at all, but consider the incredible contrast of going from humour to seriousness in terms of making a point. It creates a powerful moment, and you have the potential to create moments like that too. If you're wondering what 5, 6 and 7 will be of the 7 Deadly Sins of Podcasting, you can get a heads up on that by making sure you check out some past issues of the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, where you will definitely find all of that. And you can subscribe on LinkedIn or through Beehive and you will find the links in the show notes. Although the article for number seven isn't out at time of this recording, my plan is to release the podcast episode and the article for that on the same day so they will coincide with each other. Something I wish I had started doing from the start with that series, but you know, get there eventually. My hope is from this episode, you at least understand that vanity metrics aren't the be all and end all, that there are potentially more important things to consider. How many downloads a podcast has is not a measure of its success. There are many other aspects that can make it a success for you. And the same is true of your podcast guesting experience. Think about how you're showing up visually as well, that you want to make sure that you have an image that you are projecting out to people and that you want to stay somewhere in the scope of that in all of your media appearances. Next episode, I'm going to be bringing you an interview. In the meantime, I would encourage you to check through some of the recent episodes of Podfluence. Maybe you can go a bit further back in the catalogue. I'm happy to share with you that the Podfluence newsletter has now broken the 400 subscriber barrier. Something that I've been hovering around for a long time. It's a small success, but it's a big one for me. And certainly very happy to see those numbers creeping up and up. And we'll, we'll keep doing that. I do feel that the weekly consistency that I'm able to achieve now is helping to make that happen. So thank you for those of you who are subscribed for that. And if you're not already, do come and check out. And that's just the LinkedIn subscriptions, right? I'm not even counting anywhere else in those figures. 
But that's it for this week's episode of Puffluence. I hope that wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, you'll have an amazing rest of your day. Go and make great things happen.